welcome to this edition of Labor Vision. I'm Bob Delaney, Executive Director of the Institute for Labor Studies and Research. Labor Vision, a production of the Institute, focuses on topics of importance to working Rhode Islanders. We hope you enjoy this edition. Welcome to this edition of Labor Vision at Home. I'm your host, Bob Delaney. Joining me today is our co-host, Erica Hammond, as well as the producer for this show in our at-home edition. <laughs> We're also joined by Dr. Colleen Callahan, who is the Director of Professional Issues for the Rhode Island Federation of Teachers and Health Professionals, who represent the inner city schools, the urban schools primarily uh, throughout the state. And so, Colleen, I wanted to have a conversation with you today around the transition that has taken place in the state about online learning in its various forms. Um, overnight, the switch was turned and students had to go and teachers had to go from face-to-face -face instruction to an alternative form of instruction, most of it online-based in varying lengths of time. It was a major change for students, a major change for, uh, for parents and for teachers. And over the last two months, you've been involved in providing professional development opportunities to help support teachers in that transition, but also in helping relook at technology, its role and where it may be for the future. So, let me open the floor up for discussion with you about how did you make the transition? I know that that transition for you has been something that's been embedded for, in terms of professional development, for many, many years. You've been providing it with a staff of people and, and, and professional development site coordinators. How did you make the transition? Okay, wow, well, that's a... Uh, uh kind of a tall order. So first of all, I think it's great. We are actually taping this uh, during Teacher Appreciation Week. So I don't think um, anything could be more appropriate than talking about the hard work that our teachers are doing and have been doing through uh, for the last couple of months in response to this pandemic. Um, so you're right, the switch really was turned on, if you will, um, around March 13th or so, when um, it was decided that because of the number of cases and the issues related to the COVID-19 virus, that schools had to um, shut down and that learning needed to continue. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I give a lot of credit um, to the governor, to the Department of Ed, to the school districts, to the teachers, to our organizations um, for figuring out ways in which to do that successfully. It has not been easy. Um, our teachers are working 24 seven. Um, I think, you know, you mentioned at the beginning that we represent, we represent um, urban and suburban. We represent a wide variety of districts across the state. Um, and there was also a wide variety of readiness, if you will, um, to get this work done. And so we had districts that were already, you know, we say one-to-one, -one, you know, they were using technology, using um, technological devices um, to assist them in instructional delivery. And we had school districts that were doing some of that, but might not been, have, have been as prepared. And so when suddenly we had to think about ways in which to deliver instruction and to support students, quite frankly, it's, it's more than delivering instruction. It really is connecting with kids, connecting with families, staying in contact with them. Um, we had to think about various ways to do that. And so the, the state as a whole really stepped up. 
Um, so I think we have to think about a couple of things. We'll talk about the professional development in a minute, but I think we, had, we have to remember that there was a lot of readiness that had to take place. And so there are great kudos to some of the work that the governor and folks at the state house did in forming um, private public partnerships, um, school districts stepping up and making sure that kids had um, devices, Chromebooks and other kinds of um, laptop devices. The state engaged in these partnerships that we talked about with the internet providers to make sure, and it took a while, um, that our students and families could have internet access in their homes. Those are all things that quite honestly could be another whole show about the things that had to take place in order for um, distance learning to be successful. But you asked about professional development. And so um, what I would tell you at first is, you know, we've been at the Rhode Island Federation of Teachers and Health Professionals um, building a professional development agenda for many, many years. And so we offer face-to-face -face training, sometimes at your office, as a matter of fact. Um, we offer face-to-face -face training, professional development that has its roots in research-based professional development um, from the American Federation of Teachers. We at the State Federation bring people together and support them after they've been nationally trained. And we have a long history of, you know, providing things like beginning of the year classroom management, um, reading and math instruction, and in the you know, past couple of years branching out to um, some support for teachers as they begin to use technology. So when the state determined that we had to think of new ways to connect with kids and, and support them instructionally, um, as well as emotionally, I knew that our teachers were gonna need some help. They're gonna need some support. And so the first thing we did was try to figure out what that support might look like. And um, we do have, I, I love the fact that you said we have a staff. We actually have a cadre of amazing volunteers that I call our Rhode Island Federation of Teachers um, PD team. And these are people like Audra McPhillips and Kim Oates from West Warwick, Kathy Tordrosa and Peter Guyon from Cranston and uh, Sharon Usher and Melissa Labassia who have, from Pawtucket who have been our core team. And we also have other um, you know, point people that we call local site coordinators in every district. We gathered together and started thinking, what can we do? How can we support teachers through this effort? I think that's so important uh, that you have created that, as you say, the, that group of volunteers over the years who I think they're kind of residence experts in particular areas. And I know that um, when you've had uh, $10 Tuesdays at the Institute to provide professional development for the teachers, that I've watched that transition take place from face to face to online. How many teachers would get involved in the evening? Like I know I think Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you were offering online professional development for teachers. What were some of the topics and um, how many people would be involved? Great, so the first thing we had to do is find out what was needed. You know, we have a lot of content-based professional development and we thought some of that might be helpful. We clearly had to think about delivering it differently. And then we knew that um, you know, teachers might need some help in the actual technological tools to deliver this instruction. So the first thing we did was we set up a help desk. And so we established a Google site and on the Google site, and we got that link out to people and asked them, what do you need? And Why don't so I pull that site up? Sure, that would be great. Yeah, so that's our distance learning support site. And we had to establish that we work with Google. They have a G Suite for educators. And the first thing that we did on this kind of facing page was to ask people what they needed. And so we did a quick um, survey monkey kind of thing to get people to let us know what they needed. 
And then we also added this help desk. Now, you know, the things that we're doing are not very sophisticated. Um, they're really, <laughs> they follow the, you know, kind of the protocols that we've done over the years, which is really teacher to teacher. And Bob, you use the word expert. Um, our folks really are expert. They're expert in their daily practice and they are expert in particular fields like content-based instruction or support for technology and so forth. This help desk, as you can see, enables people um, to kind of log in, ask a question. I'm having trouble establishing a Google Classroom. I'm having trouble with, um, you know, Google Meet. How do I get all my kids, um, you know, on the screen at the same time? Various things like that. And so this was the first thing we did, which enabled us to do two things. Respond quickly to the questions that people had during that first week. Uh, especially when they were thinking about how do I do this? What do I do? I may have used Google Classroom, but I've never used it in this way. And mm -hmm. so our experts, our PD team went in and answered those questions. The other thing that we learned through this and through the survey was what kinds of you know, professional development modules would be helpful. And so Erica, if you can see on the next screen where it says um, PD sessions, Yes. See that what we learned from that was that our folks needed help, I'm going to say in three ways. They needed help with the technology tools. And so as you scroll down, what we decided to do anyway was to offer um, hour-long professional development live sessions. And we had to offer them at night. So we offered them from 7 o'clock in the evening until 8 o'clock at night on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays mostly. On some of the weeks when there has been, for example, uh, you know, maybe a shortened week because of a holiday or because of uh, school-based professional development or district-based professional development, we've a couple of times we've just offered two. But in, session, in, in essence, we did three things. Um, every week, just about, and particularly at the beginning, we offered things like how-tos, let's call them that. So how to use Google Meet. What um, is Google Draw? And how can I set up my Google Classroom to meet the demands of the way in which we're trying to connect with kids right now. So we did a lot of things like that. Ed puzzles, screencastify, flip grid. I keep telling people this old dog has learned a lot of new tricks. There are, <laughs> there are things that I, tools that I've never been familiar with and I have learned a lot. Um, and then we, we knew that um, one of the things that we're discovering is what a great toll this is taking on our teachers. And so they, they're doing an awful lot of screen time. They're worried about their students. They're connecting with kids and families at all hours of the day and evening. They're worried about their own families. Many of them have children of their own who are home being, you know, they're, they're taking care of their own schooling from home. And the teachers are worried about their kids in school as well as their kids at home. And so mm -hmm. there's a lot of stress. And so as you know, I think a couple of times at the Institute, we ran um, a wellness or a mindfulness session. And so we started some wellness Wednesdays and every week, quite frankly, through this whole pandemic, we have been offering Wellness Wednesdays. And Kim Oates from West Warwick, who is highly trained in mindfulness and other practices, has been leading our folks through this. The first couple of weeks were really focused on, you know, what you can do to manage your own stress level and so forth. But we've gradually transitioned into, and how do we help our kids? What are the kinds of things that we do with students? And then the other, we've done some content-based things. And we're actually focusing very much right now on trauma-informed instruction, recognizing the kinds of things that our kids are going through and how teachers can best manage that and help their kids through these uncertain times. You asked about numbers. Um, we've had over the last 
five or six weeks that we've been doing this, on the live sessions, we've had over 1,200 people, some of whom have attended more than one session, but wow. 1,200 participants over the course of the time. We haven't until this week been able to record or you know, understand how many people are accessing the recorded sessions. Because in addition to doing this at night live, on the Google site, we record these sessions and teachers can take advantage of them whenever their schedule allows. And just recently, we've figured out a way that we can begin to track that. Um, and teachers are provided professional learning unit certificates, whether they attend live or they um, you know, access one of the recorded sessions. You, you mentioned that some of these teachers, obviously many of them have kids of their own, so they're helping to teach everybody else's kids and then they have to also help their kids learn. So I think it's incredible that even that very first, the help desk, every all those questions stay up, all the questions and answers stay up because most people will have the same questions. Right. And the same with the recorded sessions, I think it's great that you guys are recording them because if you just, if you really need to use one of those sessions, but you can't be there, it's really important to have them recorded because then you can go on whenever you have the ability, which may be midnight or 11 p.m., but you have that ability, which I think is awesome. Yeah, we've heard from a lot of folks. So again, the core team that is working with me on this because of their particular expertise, they're part of a larger team of those local site coordinators and other trainers that we talked about. I have to really give a shout out to these folks. All of these people have their regular district responsibilities. So they may be teaching, some of them are actually coaches of other teachers, um, and they also provide this professional development in their own districts. On top of all that, these folks are working with me to provide this um, on a wider scale to all of the teachers, not just in our district, but we've put it out there. Um, you know, the NEA and the RAFT have kind of shared the things that we've been doing so that our folks can access what they might be doing, their folks can access what we're doing. This is a time for us to all work together. But mm -hmm. we had a meeting yesterday of our local site coordinators and the feedback from individuals, Erica, is just as you said. Um, teachers, number one, are very, very um, pleased that their union is providing this kind of high quality professional development and that we kind of switch things up so that we could do it in a way that even during this time they can access it. Um, and they're also appreciative, as you said, of two things. One, um, they can get those professional learning certificates for the work they're doing, which is important for recertification and other things in the district. But they can also, um, you know, as I keep saying, it's not sophisticated. It's not something that's shrink-wrapped or from some, you know, fancy company. But it's like what we're doing right now. It's teacher to teacher. We have two presenters every time. One who is presenting the actual session and someone with the same expertise who monitors the chat room and answers questions during the session. But we always leave uh, time at the end for other questions. And as we've learned about this and gone forward and gotten a little better at it every week, um, we found that we can interact with people as, in fact, we've got some frequent flyers, you know, who come in and I see them logging in every, every time. And we've mm -hmm. been able to answer questions in real time, which people have really appreciated. That's really great. I think it's really important to recognize too that, and you had said earlier that teachers take time out of their schedule in the evening to do this professional development that allows them to be better at their job. But keep in mind that they're preparing for class the next day oftentimes as well, plus helping their own sons and daughters, as you said, Erica. So mm -hmm. it really is a commitment from everybody involved to ensure 
But I think that leads me to my question, what impact will this have as we move forward? Yeah, we had that conversation yesterday with the local site coordinators. Um, you know, for the last couple of years, we've tried to put our toe in the water around online learning. And we've, we've kind of um, experimented, if you will, with some blended learning where people came together face to face and maybe there was an opportunity to connect digitally in between the sessions. Um, but we hadn't really pushed and hadn't really transitioned to doing a lot of that. Um, I think we're going to be doing a lot more of this. I mean, clearly nobody knows what the fall is going to look like, what the summer is going to look like. Um, we normally train trainers during the summer um, with the American Federation of Teachers, and then often we do that um, with their help here in the state. That's not going to be able to happen this summer. But, so we're planning some support for trainers virtually over the summer, which is going to be a new thing for us. Um, and we're, there are two things that we're thinking about for the fall and then the long term. So for the fall, uh, beginning in the probably sometime in August, we're hoping to offer a number of things for our teachers, first of all, on particularly focused on social emotional learning. However we go back to school in the fall, we know that there's going to be a lot of anxiety among teachers, among kids, among families. And so we want to make sure that we are prepared for the kinds of strategies we can use for that. We're going to have to do all of that virtually. Um, we're also thinking about families and some outreach that we might be able to make to parents and families as they get ready to send um, their children back to school. And so that's one of the other things, you know, maybe uh, we'll do a couple of sessions that we can get out there through our partnerships with community organizations and, and, and parent groups so that they too could log on and, and be a part of some um, specifically designed professional development and support for themselves as they get ready to go back to school. And then Bob, in the long term, um, I really do think that we're going to, let's say we went back to quote unquote normal, um, I still think that we've learned that this is something that our teachers want and that we will be able to, yes, hopefully some at some point, get back to offering face-to-face -face sessions. But I really can envision that going forward, we will continue to do this and that we will find ways to do, whether it's the live or the recorded sessions, because I think particularly, you know, as we gradually return to whatever normal will be, but I also think down the road, people want access when they can access the professional development. And I think we're gonna be doing more of that. Yeah, something tells me that if, you, if this continues with the virtual professional development, you would have a group that's not large enough, uh, that's too large to fit in our training room at the Institute. Uh, because if everyone had the ability to be there and access it when they had the opportunity to, or when they were able to, you'd have really high numbers like you do have. <laughs> oh, you know, we think seriously, so we've had, we the first week we had like 110, 125, but we have been averaging about 65. Um, people, 60 to 65 people every single evening. And so that's wow. from 7 o'clock to 8 p.m. So we think that's great. But, you know, one of the things that we often say, and when I talk to my colleagues across the country, it's a little different. So while we're very small and a lot of people think we can, you know, bring all these district folks together periodically or regularly, um, you and I know, and Bob, you know, even coming from a, a big province, you know that in Rhode Island, if we ask people to go more than 15 minutes or so away, it's a little bit too far. And so the idea that people can access this great professional development after school mm -hmm. or at night or whenever online without the drive to Cranston is mm -hmm. 
you don't have to bribe them with food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really important that we realize too um, the the impact this is going to have um, across the board. In in as much as this is a terrible situation, um, but you've often heard me say, for me, the glass is half full. And because of that, I really believe that when we get back to this new normal, that the good that will come from this will be the opportunity to reach more people at a time that's convenient for them with professional development and a host of other areas of technological advancement. And I could see even how, and Erica, I, I think you could even relate to the work that we do at the Institute, how looking at the page of questions for Google Classroom and, and the pieces that you collected, mm -hmm. agencies, other institutes, they could look at that and say, hey, that's transferable to adult learners as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, we're dealing with adult learners. The one thing, the one caution that, and I was thinking about it as you were, as you were speaking, this will never, in my mind, and from replace. the people that I'm talking to, it will never replace the right. opportunity to meet with people face to face. We have to do it right now. And I do think you're right, Bob. There is going to continue to be a place for this because people have wanted it. We just, you know, what is it? Necessity is the mother of invention. We've struggled with trying to do it. And I think we've figured out a way, again, you know, our kind of home from home, as you talk about this, a way to do this. But I hear from teachers every single day how much they miss their kids. I've heard teachers say, you know, they ask the question of the day, you know, what do you most miss about school? One of my colleagues mentioned that. And the child said, I miss your face to the teacher. And so Thank I you. think that, you know, we still have to maintain that when it's safe to do so. I'm Absolutely. hoping that we'll end up having kind of a blended uh, set of offerings going down the road. But this, we have learned we can do this. We have learned that people want this. And so we'll have to figure out a way to incorporate this kind of professional development in what we do overall. Yes. And I really do believe, I, I think it's a, it's an addition to, and it, it gave us the opportunity, we were forced into it, to add on to what our bailiwig of expertise was. And, and I do agree, um, having been a classroom teacher and in post-secondary education, you can't replace face-to-face -face contact. Uh, there are teachable moments in a classroom. There are situations in a classroom where you read the face of the student or the adult learner. Um, you miss that opportunity. But I think it's supplementary. I think it's an addition to, and I think it will help um, all of us be able to make instruction and teaching um, not more effective, additionally effective. Good. So I, I really want to thank you for participating. Erica, any questions that you can see that line up with this discussion? No, you, you answered all of my questions, but, <laughs> but thank the you. La, I mean, again, the last thing that I would say is I can't tell you how appreciative I am of the work that these, number one, our, our PD team has done, the support of Frank Flynn, who's our state fed president, and our organization in realizing that this is our important work. And to all the teachers and teacher assistants who've been logging on and participating in this on top of everything else they're doing. So that's, that's the last thing I'd want to say is how grateful we are. Yeah. I want to just take this moment to recognize the Rhode Island Federation of Teachers and Health Professionals, and in particular you, Colleen, um, in as much as many of the programs that we launch 
at the Institute around classroom work and classroom support for teachers, like our teacher assistant training program. They were all based in research work and instructional aids that we worked with and came up with with the Rhode Island Federation of Teachers, which gives it the strength and the credibility. So I wanna thank you and the Federation of Teachers for your support over the years. Um, I wanna thank you and the, all of the, the volunteers and the teachers and the other agencies, whether it be RIDE or the governor's office that have helped make this transition more effective. So thank you for joining us, Erica. Thank you for producing this show and co-hosting it as usual. <laughs> and I hope, I hope that everybody learned something from this about the flexibility and the strength of our state, our teachers and our education system in moving forward at this difficult time. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Labor Vision. We appreciate your input and encourage your comments. Labor Vision can be seen on this channel three times each week, Tuesday at 7 p.m., Thursday at 8 p.m., and Saturday at 5 p.m.